0: Right, good evening, everybody. Come on, talk to me now. It's Friday night. We got to work together, all right? We got to work together. Boy, I like that last song. This last weekend, uh, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. That's a uh, part of God's uh, God's humor. I was raised in Colorado, and Nebraskans love everybody except for Coloradans. They hate Colorado. There's a great rivalry between Colorado football and Nebraska football, and so God sent me there to try to convert them. And uh, so God's got a great sense of humor, but uh, it's awesome to be here. This is like a second home because of uh, the different relationships I have with uh, many of you, and uh, so I'm really encouraged. I also get to be with my daughter, my oldest daughter uh, Mandy for Easter, and so, wow, I'm I'm sort of flying high tonight. I like, really love that last song. We had a guy by the name of Big City. You guys ever heard of Big City? He's a Christian rapper. He's a disciple in the church in Philadelphia. Bug Mike until he comes. I mean, we had his blowout concert on, uh, on uh, Sunday night with Big City, and me, I mean, just Mr. Stiff. I was getting into it, all right? Yeah, I I, felt, I found a little bit of a groove. I don't have much of one, but I got a little bit. I found a little bit. He was proud of me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, by yeah. All right. You know we're uh it, it's sort of different having church on uh, Friday night, huh? Yeah. Let's turn this up. I like to really rock out. Do I need to move it up to Okay, there we go. All right, I moved it down. Well, uh It's pretty cool having that church on uh uh Friday night because you don't you don't have to pay for it. You don't have to no contribution tonight, all right? Sorta like the sort of like the kid that went to church, his parents were trying to train at him. He was always trying to, you know, dig into the Lord's Supper and grab a little snack and so his uh his parents said he couldn't until he got baptized and he couldn't have the Lord's Supper till he got baptized and and uh, his parents gave him a dollar to put in the contribution. He wouldn't put it in, and they were fussing with him and, and everything. And, the, 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 the you know, the, the bread and the wine had already went by, and he didn't partake of any. And so finally, you know, his parents were trying to pull the dollar out of his hand. He said, you know, yeah, I'm not paying since I didn't get to eat. <laughs> so tonight, uh, you, you don't eat or pay, all right? It's all free. It's all free. You know, uh, Doug asked me and Mike called me and asked if I'd come and, uh, preach from the book of John. This is a, this is a sacred time. We're pretty casual in our movement. We, uh, th- that's part of just a movement that was born out of campus ministry. You know, <laughs> campus students are the best in all the world. They're just wild and crazy. We had, uh, the eight, uh, College students from University of Missouri in Omaha this last week, keeping me up till all hours of the night. We evangelized on campus trying to start a campus ministry in our little church and oh man, I have eight of the most uh blessed kids, incredible kids. You know, I don't like everybody, but I liked all of them. Can you believe it? I mean it was awesome. It was a, you don't like everybody either, so I'm just real, all right? We love everybody, but you know, some people we gotta grow to love, all right? So just keeping it real, you'll get used to me probably about the time I quit. All right, but uh, uh, we're gonna. I really appreciate the opportunity to stay the Book of John because this first uh, this slide. I'm gonna back it up here. This is my rule of life. Do you have a rule of life? Every uh, spiritualist, every all the desert church fathers, all the church fathers. And I even think uh, the the different apostles, if you read their uh, books and writings closely, you'll hear their rule of life. What drove them? What was their passion? What came from deep with down within their soul? For the apostle Paul, I think it was uh, I become all things to all men that by some means I could save some. Becoming all things to all men. I think that was his rule of life. I think that's what drove him. That's how he was able to be such a great church planner and evangelize so much of the known world and the ancient world in his time. You know, for Jesus, I mean, almost everything he said could have been his rule of life. But maybe, you know, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. That may have been his rule of life. This is my rule of life, and it's from the book of John. It's a combination of the first and second commandment and the greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second, to love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two first, first and second commandments, and all the law and the prophets, the Bible says, is summed up in that, right? And then Jesus comes along in John chapter 13 and says, in verse thirty-four and thirty-five, a new commandment I give you: love one another. So you gotta love me tonight, all right? You gotta love me a lot. You gotta talk to me. It's Friday night. College students have made me tired. I flew in, you know. It's I'm two hours later. I'm old, all right. I'm older even than I look, all right. A new commandment I give you: love one another as I as I have loved you. And that's what we're going to see, especially starting tonight, how Jesus loved. And so my rule of life is, and I live it out, it's just not a slogan, you know. It's just not just sort of this quippy saying, you know, love you, bro. It's I try to live love as he loved. Love as Jesus loved. Love as God loved. Love God as Jesus loved. Love others as he loved. This is my rule of life. It causes me to, after doing this, uh, work in the book of John, I just felt like, you know, most of what I do, my life is as an evangelist. So most of what I do is try to build up the church. And so I decided there's got to be some time in my schedule every week where I'm not trying to, to build up my church. It's not for me. It's just going out and reaching out and loving strangers, serving strangers. As you've done the least of these, my brothers, you've done it to me, Matthew chapter uh, 25, all right? And so one night a week after I preached on Sunday and had a leader's meeting, sometimes even had an evening service, I go to the hospital and, and comfort grieving people who have relatives that have died. And I, uh, I'll i do it Sunday night. I'll fly in at 10, and at midnight I go to the hospital and I'll I'll do it. That's when nobody else wants to do it, so that's when I do it. Because I I believe I gotta live this out. To love is Jesus loved. To love strangers. Amen? Amen? And so tonight we're gonna see how much not Jesus loved us, but how much Jesus loves you. And you've heard some of these things before, but tonight I pray you listen with your heart. Not with your mind, not with your ears, but with your heart. Is I, spirits speak to spirits, and I have prayed that God would speak through me in my heart more, so his heart would communicate with your heart tonight. Amen? Let's ask for God's blessing on this time. Let's pray together. Hold the hand next to the person, you know. Even if you don't know him, you'll get to know him after this. God and Father, we bow before you right now because you're our God. You're our creator. You're the one that made us, and you're the one that knows us, and you're the one that saved us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And Father, thank you that we can know you through Jesus, and thank you that we have his His life and his teaching recorded in a very unique and special way in the Gospel of John, that the the disciple who seemed to love you your Son the most and had a connection. And so, Father, we pray that we could get the heart of the gospel through this time together this weekend. And, Father, we pray for your blessing, your spirit to be moving, your Holy Spirit to be moving throughout this room. May this be sacred space for this moment. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So that's my rule of life. All right, what we're going to look at is the passion of Christ. All right, got my shoes shine there, a little uh, trying to trip me up there. All right. Uh, <laughs> I, I I've got my friends here in the front row, and so don't let them distract me. All right, all right. We're gonna do it through two chapters. This is uh, that you 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 will get the book of John through our time together. It's gonna to be a bit of a whirlwind, but I practiced for two hours a, a day for the last uh, five days. I've been teaching these eight students from the University of Missouri this stuff. I'm gonna teach you, and so if if it's if it's not great. It, Think about what they had to put up with, all right? So we're going to look at, turn your Bible over to John chapter 8. We're going to look at the arrest of Christ initially. And, you know, I've outlined the book of John. You'll see this tomorrow in our workshop. I've outlined the book of John with, uh, with chapters. Now, most scholars wouldn't do that. They would sort of, uh, you know, Stay with a the theme and 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 look at it different. But I thought, you know, we all read it through chapters. We all memorize it through chapters. We know the stories through chapters. Why not outline it with chapters? All right. And so uh, I've outlined it with chapters, and I think that's really the just as good a way as any other to uh, be able to study it. All right. And I'm going to take off my coat. You know, I uh, wanted to show you respect and uh, you know dress up. For you but now I'm hot so I'm, I'm I'm gonna take this off all right so you've got your uh, you know you know I respect you at least try to okay but now we're friends I no longer call you servants I call you friends all right John chapter 18 that's a verse I'm not really trying to put you in your place all right Luke chapter 18. John chapter eighteen. Here's uh I usually have a lapel mic, so I'm gonna struggle here for a little bit till I get my groove. Okay, yeah, why don't you click Thanks. All right. <laughs> I was aiming at Doug, not at you, All right. This is uh We're, this is the theme verse. Don't be trying to mess me up. I I know we're we're gonna go to Luke John chap Luke John chapter eighteen. In, they're all gospels, all right. All right. All right. You know, m- m- most people with doctor degrees, their mind goes faster than their mouth, and that that's why that is. All right. This is, the, this is the theme verse for John chapter 20. And this sister up here is going to help me out throughout the night, all right? So God's going to bless her. And I do appreciate it. I, I need people to navigate for me. I'm blind. All right? Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The reason John wrote this book, the beloved disciple, the evangelist, the one who was closest to Jesus, the one that leaned back against him at the supper says, I could have written a lot of things. I could have written a lot of intimate, personal antidotes, a lot of things that uh, nobody else could have written. But I wrote these things that you would believe. And you know, we take belief for granted. I, I believe in Jesus. You know, I did a survey on campus this week and asked people if they believed in Jesus, if they believed in resurrection, believed if Jesus died for their sins. Incredible answers from college students. Very inconsistent. Some of those kids are so schizoid spiritually, I really need to save them. Alright? They believe the Bible and then they don't believe something. I mean, it was, it was, it was heavy. Alright? But John wrote these things that you and I would believe and have life. Do you have life? Do you have abundant life? That's the theme of this uh, study this week: in abundant life, which really doesn't mean I'm not like uh, some uh, gospel prosperity preachers that say, you know, become a Christian, and everything's going to be pie in the sky, and your life's going to be blessed, and there'll be no suffering or death. That's not true. In this life, Jesus says you'll be, you'll have trouble. This isn't heaven. We got to go to heaven for no more tears, and no more pain, and no more suffering. I have a father that could die any moment from cancer. And so they're suffering. My heart's heavy. All right? I mean, then uh, you know, I'm not one of these, you know, eye bulging out kind of Christians that's always happy and got this painted smile on my face. How you doing today, bro? I'm doing great. How about you? That's not me. You know? Never will be, unfortunately, because that hurts my face I don't have those muscles <laughs> All right? when you don't smile enough you don't have muscles for that but that by believing you may have life it's whole life see there's a part of us that quit being whole when we began to sin there's voids in our hearts or voids in our souls or voids in our minds or vo- there's switches that are turned off. For us to cope, for us to deal with our guilt and our shame and some of the effects of sin in our lives, we had to switch some things off. And we didn't realize it or we wouldn't have chosen to sin because it was so fleeting and it was so quick and it was so cheap it wasn't worth it. But it has its effect. And take it from an older gentleman, a mature person, not a senior, but a mature person. You remember it. You remember it. Way back when, when I was a college student, All right? This is the theme of Jesus. Next slide. All right? Now, we live for ourselves in America. In fact, your generation, most of you younger than me, you're not the baby boomers. You're the the X generation, and that's called the me generation, the selfish generation. This is the micronation of Sealand. Someone took over an abandoned Uh, oil platform and decided to start their own nation because they love themselves and they believe that they should be president and king of their own land. And so this is Sea Land. Then there's another fellow fellow not far from here in Reno. Next slide, please. This is uh, Kevin Bach. That red writing sure doesn't come through. You're going to have to listen to me. You're not going to be able to blow me off and just look at the slides. But this is Kevin Bach. He uh is the nation he's the 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 head of the nation of Melaj or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I can't read it either. But uh I'm not gonna we're not gonna be Jesus didn't die for you to have your own nation. He died for you to be saved. John three sixteen. The next verse. Next slide, please. You know, because other people that are religious, that we don't necessarily agree with doctrinally, use this verse. We don't really like it. And that's sad. Because it really, it's a theme verse for John 2. For God so, so, trying to emphasize how much loved the world, which includes you and me. I don't know your background. Mine's pretty interesting. I'll tell you about it sometime. Polish, Mexican. I'm the brunt of a lot of jokes. Right? (laughs) Not so much in California, 'cause you know you got to respect Hispanics here, which is good. Nebraska, they don't. Right? So I'm glad to be with my people. Right? (laughs) I know you don't think I look like you, you should see my mama. it's where I get the blood. It's good. It's all good. For God so loved the world that he gave his one, his monogeneous, his only begotten, the one and only. He didn't have multiple kids. He couldn't transfer that love. It was just this one. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's why he gave his son so you could have life, life forever, good life forever, whole life forever. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. (laughs) We think God gets a bad rap waiting to smack us. No, that's that's most professors, but that's not God, all right? Give you those hard tests that really mess you up, trick questions, all right? For God so did not send His Son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes that there's that word, it's going to come up over and over and over and over and over again this weekend. In Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he's not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. There's there's. Two things I want you to believe more clearly, more deeply, more personally, more intimately through this weekend, and that is you truly do believe your confession of faith, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The first four chapters tell us what that really means, that Jesus is the Son of God. The next seven chapters of the book of John tell us what it means for Jesus to be Lord, and the last several chapters before the crucifixion tells us about what it means to be a true disciple. So that's why we need people to study the book of John, because it tells you what you need to believe for your confession, that Jesus is the Son of God, and God raised him from the dead, that Jesus is Lord, and what that confession means, and then how to follow him, and then his love through his passion. And that's what we're going to get to tonight. All right, next slide. John 11. All right. 47. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting. Why am I sharing this? I'm going to get to 18 in a minute. I know. You're wondering. He said 18. I, I don't know. I think he spiritually schizoid. No. No. This, this is the, the, John is a drama. It's a plot. It's got all these motifs that we'll get into tomorrow. But this is a verse I never recognized until at Pepperdine University. I took a class on the book of John. And, Uh, a a book entitled The Anatomy of the Gospel by a fellow named Culpepper. If you really want to study John, that's a book you should get. But he pointed out this verse. This is where they decided to kill Jesus. Alright? And this is why Jesus died. This is Good Friday. We're celebrating the death of Jesus tonight. And here's why he died, according to Scripture. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin, what are we accomplishing, they ask. Here is the man performing many miraculous signs, and if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and then the Romans will come, and they'll take away both our what? Our place and our nation. It's about power. Then one of them named Caiaphas, this is the this is the most religious person. This is the high priest. He's the one supposedly speaking for God, the right things of God. And he says, who was high priest that year, spoke up, you know, nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than for the whole nation to perish. Why was Jesus killed? Because some religious leaders wanted to keep their place. That's why so many people look at religion with scorn. They scoff at it. They sniff at it. We try to share our faith. You know, they just punk us. Right? But we're going to see the significance of Jesus' death tonight. Next slide. All right? His arrest. There we are. John 18. Next slide. Here's the outline. And... And Mike uh, uploaded all the notes on uh, your guys' website, so uh, you'll have all this stuff uh, there. But here's an outline for the book of John. And over the last 30 years that I've been a disciple, when I hear a great sermon that I think really does capture the meaning of that text, I'll write it in my Bible. And so I have tried to accumulate through my own study and listening to other great people, just what really each of these texts mean. And this is what I think this text is about. We're going to look at Judas tonight, Peter tonight, Pilate tonight, and you're going to see yourself. There's a little bit of Judas in all of us, right? There's a little bit of backstabbing, a little bit of gossiping, a little bit of taking advantage of using other people. There's a little bit of Judas in all of us that needs to get rooted out. We use other people. We take advantage of them. When they don't give us what we want, we get mad. There's a little bit of Judas in all of us. There's a little bit of Peter, person of good intention. You're good-hearted. A lot of people have told you you're good-hearted. They've said, mercy for heavens, he's good-hearted. God bless him, he's good-hearted. He's got his foot in his mouth, he's a blockhead, but mercy, he's a good-hearted brother. You know? Peter was always speaking up, speaking out of turn, doing things he shouldn't do. That's why so many of us love him dearly, because we relate intimately. All right? But Peter's denial. And then Pilate's refusal. This is a lot of people just not wanting to take things seriously, just be superficial, not not get real, just be political, blow it off. This is what we're going to look at. Next slide. I'm going to let you do the slides instead of me wrestle these papers and go through all this. Alright? And so, I'm not ignoring you when I look up there. I'm just uh, learning with you. Alright? Okay. I'm glad I got this long leash, though, too. How do you respond? Tonight, as well as any time you hear God's Word, you either respond with faith or you respond with fear, fight, or you flee. That's just that's just the way we, our brain works. They've done studies on the brain. Either you can stand there and you can be faithful, you can stay in the moment, moment you not be anxious, or just like an animal with instinct, you run away, you flee. All right, or just like an animal with instinct, you fight. It's the limb, uh, the inner animalistic limbic. Uh, that isn't the right word. It's the inner part of your brain. All right? All right? I'll look it up. Google it and tell you tomorrow. Right. Or you fear. Peter feared. That's why he compromised. we got to overcome fear in our lives. You know? And uh, next slide. Let's look at uh, Judas who fought. Now Judas who betrayed him knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the grove guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they were carrying torches and lanterns and weapons. And you can read this story, and it's a story that should make you sick to your stomach. It should remind you of every friend that's betrayed you. Every person that you really trusted that broke trust. Jesus loved Judas. Jesus honored Judas, let him keep the money. He had a very special place among the disciples. He was really trusted by Jesus. And Jesus sold Judas sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. We can get really down on G- Judas. We can we can get a mob mentality and be ready. If Jesus were here, we could just tear him apart, stone him. But then we got to look in the mirror. Have we ever treated people like that? Have we ever not stood up? It was, it was either them or us. That you know is all coming down, and we compromised. We sold them out. We we didn't stand up for them. Judas. Wanted something from God. You ever gotten mad at God? We get mad at God for the silliest things, don't we? Back when I was in college, I took a physics test and I thought I flunked it. And I came out on a hill by my dorm and I just screamed at God. God, I've been studying the Bible with people. I've been sharing my faith. I go to three Bible talks a week. I go to church Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and Friday night and devotional and I go to a class on the spiritual development class on Monday and a Bible talk leaders class on Friday and I just don't have a whole lot more time to study and I thought you would supernaturally make me smart and I could pass that test. And I think I flunked it. And I've given my whole life to you, God and I mean it got a lot worse than that I know my voice is grating you but I mean it was a bad night and I was mad at God then the test came back and I don't know what those other guys were doing they weren't going to Bible talk but they weren't studying either and the curve helped us all out and I had to go back and apologize to God I learned a lesson last night, and that's why I still remember it to share with you. But we all get that temptation to get mad at God, don't we? Judas got so mad, he did something about it. And he did the wrong thing, didn't he? And then there's Peter. Next slide. It says, Jesus, knowing that that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. This is at the Garden of Gethsemane. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them, and we know from the other gospels that he kissed Jesus. Boy, that was a sweet kiss, wasn't it? Jesus knew exactly what was going on. Talk about mocking him. That, that just, that hurt. That was bad. That was wrong. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. There, there was a spiritual power about Jesus that these, these guys, These soldiers, these Jews fell down at His feet, which is what we should all do. And according to Revelation, we all will, and we'll sing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Holy, Holy, Holy. Every time I sing the word holy, three times in a row like that, I start getting choked up. I try to get the song leaders to quit singing it, but they love me to be choked up before I preach. So they're, almost every song now has holy, holy, holy in it. All right? You think that's funny, don't you? You like preachers that cry. Mike cry? Let's find a way to make him cry, you want to? Let's figure out a way to do it. And they said, Jesus of Nazareth." I told you that I am he. And Jesus answered, if you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happens so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of them. See, there's a contrast. And all the gospel writers do it. And you got to see it when it happens. There's always a contrast between Jesus and Judas. Jesus and Peter. Jesus and Pilate. Jesus and the soldiers. Jesus and someone else. There's a contrast over and over. And when I read through the the Bible my very first time, Jesus became a hero and I wanted to live like him and be like him. And I didn't want to be like those other characters. And when I really got real and honest about myself, I was a lot like almost all those other characters. And so it cut me. Next slide. And then... You're not one of his disciples, are you? The little girl at the door asked Peter, and he replied, I'm not. No. Little girl. Have you ever seen a grown person get defensive with a kid? Isn't it sad? How parents argue with their kids in grocery stores. You're like, which is the child here? Mom's acting on much more childish Or dad, I'm sorry, women, you know. As Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, You're not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, I'm not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, Didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Again, Peter denied it. I am not. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. In fact, John's being really nice to his friend, Peter. The other Gospels lay it out. They say Peter called down curses from heaven. And I don't curse, so I'm not going to say those words, all right? But Peter cursed. I mean, he said, hey. And, I, and I'm not going to say it. No. Thank you. But he, he said it out of fear. He was afraid for himself. So he denied the Lord. Out of peer pressure, you and I say things we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do, don't we? You did some things the very first time in your life that you swore you'd never do, but you did it out of fear. Because old Herb and Everett Musselman decided that they'd take me cruising up and down North Avenue in Grand Junction, Colorado in their van. I got to ride in the back of the van with a couple of seniors from my high school, and I was just a, a sophomore. I was feeling pretty good, and they were great star athletes. So I got to cruise around them up and down the highway. It was only about 10 blocks long. It's a small town. Mike McDaniel's the only one in here that really knows much about it we go down to the McDonald's and Bernie you, and go down to the Burger King and Bernie you, and go back to the McDonald's and Bernie U. Woo! It was a good time in the old town that night, all right. Then we pulled off, I think, at the A&W, and, oh, Herb says, hey, come on in the back here, Greg. They didn't say Greg. They called me Ski back then because nobody could pronounce Moretsky. We all called each other by our last names. How you doing, Reed? How you doing, McDaniel? They couldn't say moretsky, so they said, Ski, get back here. You guys don't call me Ski. I'll put my jacket back on if you start calling me that. You can call me Dr. Ski, sure. Yeah. Ten years of graduate school, that's where I got that. But anyway, I smoked dope. It's hard for me to say because my daughter sitting here because I don't want her to ever smoke dope. Look at me now. But I smoked dope. I could go on. You could go on. It's sad. It's sick. It's a sorry story. All the things we did out of fear. Huh. Just, just to be accepted. Just to get along with other people. Pilate had a fear of a little, I mean, Peter had a fear of a little girl. Alright. Guys, let's not be like Peter. Let's not be like Pilate. Let's be like Jesus. Next slide. Look at how Jesus is in comparison. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken plenty to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in the synagogues and at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby struck him in the face. Is this how the way you answer the high priest? This is the high priest that plotted, conspired to kill him. And Jesus knows this. He demanded. And Jesus said, if I've said something, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why do you strike me? Jesus stood his ground. And you know, the first time I read this, I thought he was a hero. But I wasn't cut by the way they treated him. Striking him, spitting on him, mocking him, dressing him up the perfect person, the person most loving, the most giving, the most sacrificial person treated by a cross-section of humanity in such an ungodly way. Somewhere in your lifetime, it needs to cut you to the core. Somewhere in your lifetime, because you love the Lord, seeing the way that they treated who you love, it needs to break your heart. You need to waver on that precipice of indignation and anger And brokenheartedness. Where you just want to scream. Man, are people that bad? Am I that bad? Well, at one time, yes. At one time, you were too. We love testimonials. We love to hear how bad they were. So you smoked dope. What else did you do? I fought. I hurt people. I broke a person's arm at a party once. I don't want to go on. I can't believe I was that person. I can't believe I had that rage. I can't believe I had that anger. I can't believe I had brutalized another person. That's why God gave me little girls. Soften me up. I've had them for 25 years. Now I'm just soft. I'm just so lovely. (laughs) In fact, these students, before I left last night, 2, 2 a.m., they gave me this, this. I'm a grown man. They gave me this this stuffed bear. They, they, they thought it was so cool spending the week with me, and they thought I was a teddy bear. I was a little embarrassed. What do you want me to do, put this in my office? Everybody comes in. Where'd you get the bear, Greg? It is pretty soft, though. (laughs) Next slide, and then Pilate. So Pilate came to them and asked, "What charges are you bringing against this man?" If they, if they were, if he were not a criminal, they replied, "We would not have want handed him over to you." I'll get it out. Pilate said, "Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law." What is truth, Pilate says. I mean let's don't get so metaphysical on me, Jesus, don't get so deep, you know, what's truth? Nobody knows what truth is. You know? I mean what is is with this. He went out again to the Jews and said, "I find no basis for a charge against him." So Pilate thought he came up with the perfect scenario. Politicians are always trying to work things around, and so he said, "Okay, they'll kill. They'll kill. They'll let Jesus go if I put it between Jesus and Barabbas," and they chose Barabbas. Someone that had just murdered and pillaged. He was just one of these thieves that probably robbed the good Samaritan um, or the guy that the good Samaritan helped. He was probably the one that robbed him. That's conjecture, but doctors can make up anything. Your professors do all the time. Make up words. I'll probably make up a few before the weekend's over. But he didn't want to take responsibility. You know, why get heavy on a Friday night? Let's just eat, drink, and be merry. Let's just go watch the tube. And for my generation, that was the TV. For you, it's YouTube, all right? Let's go surf the net. Check out, find some good YouTubes, all right? right, let's just, just be cool. Just chill. Don't get all serious on us, you know? Don't be raising your voice. Keep you awake you're all above me you know i got to be careful down here you could stone me easy next slide next slide alright but here's Jesus in contrast my kingdom is not of this world if it were my servants would fight to prevent my arrest his kingdom we know where it came from next slide alright the outline again next slide we're going to crank here for a little bit. Next slide, because we got to get into chapter 19. The cross is going to help you overcome those fears and help you just keep from fleeing God. And it's going to help you take responsibility and become a mature, whole person. We fear failure. We fear death. We fear the future. We fear God. We fear people, and then we fear everything else. So I left it blank. I ran out of room. Next slide. This is the outline for chapter 19. Jesus before Pilate. Jesus proves he's the Son of God in that interaction. Jesus on the cross. We see Jesus as Lord. We're going to look at what he said on the cross. And then Jesus' death. Jesus is King. Next slide. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. Pilate tried to wash his hands. We know that picture. He literally washed his hands in symbolism before everybody, but you know he didn't. He didn't really wash his hands because he wanted. To, he thought he was free, but God held him held him accountable. Recorded it in all the gospels, and we know who killed Jesus, don't we? You can think you're you're free. You got away with it. You sinned in secret. You covered it up. You hid it. But God's got it in a book for all of us to read someday. Your guilt, your shame, just like Pilate, is going to be there. Next slide. Do you refuse to speak up, Pilate said? You don't have to defend yourself ever when you're not guilty. Next slide. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But he couldn't. And, and if you read through there, what reason I want this up there is the crowd that just a few chapters before at the triumphal entry gave Jesus a parade. And they're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna. I mean, they were raising the roof. They were rocking out. They were throwing down palms. I mean, it was awesome. They thought Jesus was the best thing that had happened to the nation. And now, a couple days later, on Friday, this was earlier in the week, on Monday and Tuesday, they're saying, crucify him. Crucify him. I don't know about you, but there's only a few people in my whole, whole lifetime that I thought could be, ought to be killed. And I didn't go to some rally to scream and holler and go crazy for him to be killed. I mean, th- this is just, Odd behavior, isn't it, for them to turn so quickly? But people, you and me, we're fickle. We're fickle. We love our sports team, and they lose, we can't stand them. I'm going to sell my number one finger. You know, whoever lost in your bracket, you just you were a big fan of them, and now you just, you know, and you didn't even have anything on it. Except for your pride. But your pride's wounded. So now you're really down on Kansas or whoever. Next slide. Pilate had a notice prepared. I like this sign. Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of your neighborhood, your home? We all came from a dysfunctional home didn't we? I grew up in fear, fear of an older brother that got beat by my dad, partly because he deserved it, partly because my dad had inner anger issues from being raised by a criminal. You know, my grandpa was a bad man. He was from Oklahoma. It was settled by bad men. It's true. Look in the history books. And my family tree, one whole side has a criminal every generation. I have a brother that is. He's repentant now. He got out. He's changed. But every on my my family tree, one side, there's a criminal every generation. The other side, there's a lawyer in every generation. (laughs) My daughter's a lawyer. It's scary how that stuff works. Look at your family tree. You might not want to. Maybe I shouldn't discourage you that way. All right. <laughs> Jesus of Nathers. Next slide. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him. That's all. I mean, in every gospel. There, he died. They killed him. Nailed him to the cross. We see the passion of Christ. We see the brutality. But we shut down. We don't embrace it. Some people do, but almost all of us shut down a little bit in that movie. They crucified him, along with the criminals. One of on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. We're going to close out tonight looking at the seven sayings of Jesus from the cross. And please listen to him as if he said them personally to you. When I died for Greg, when I died for Libby, When I died for Angela. And Angela has always been in the righteousness club. I saw when she was converted, she lived with us for a while. Some of us, Doug's still trying to get in. But Angela has always been in the righteousness club. She's going to help him get to heaven. But you need to honor and respect him. The Bible says he's your evangelist. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. We act stupid. I've sinned tonight publicly against Doug just a minute ago. But God's gracious, and he'll forgive. And Jesus died so that could happen. The next slide. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. You ever read the book, No Wonder They Call Him the Savior by Max Licata? I was guilty, really guilty. I had confessed to my wife some sin that occurred before I became a Christian before I got married, but I had never told her. I told my disciple I told my campus minister, but I never told her I was too ashamed of it and I was working with Gordon Ferguson down in San Diego. We were co-leading the church, and Gordon's just he's a he's a stickler for openness and honesty. He was flipping on a lot of switches that I had flipped off. and He told me that I need to tell my wife we'd never be totally open, I mean totally connected, totally intimate, totally together unless everything was out. And I had to tell her. And, you know, she had been a Christian for many years. She's a godly woman. She's always been in the righteousness club. I think she helped Angela get in, and she's still trying to help me get in. But my wife's incredible. She really is. That's not preacher talk, all right? But I told her, it devastated her. She wanted to forgive me. She wanted to just let it go. She wanted to get over it quick. She couldn't. Finally, Gordon, Gordon said, Greg, you just need to go out of town. You need to get, get out of here for a while. I'll give her some space. So I came up to the Pepperdine lectureships. And Max Cato was not famous. He was a missionary in Rio de, de Janeiro at the time. He was doing these morning devotionals on that book. He hadn't published it yet, but he was doing devotionals. And I had met him down in Manaus, Brazil, at a Pan American Lectureship. He was rooming right across the hall from me. And so we became friends. So I decided to get up early and go listen to him. And it was bomb for my soul. And the morning he shared a story about the crucified crook, how Jesus forgave... This thief, when that thief could do nothing for God and nothing for Jesus, was about to die too. The epitome of grace, Jesus said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. And when he said that, I felt like God gave me hope that day. Because I felt like I didn't deserve to be married to this incredible woman. I didn't deserve to have, at that time we just had one kid, And she came out of the womb spiritual too. (laughs) I mean, some do. Some have to work at it. But it gave me hope that I could be saved. Even though I was a minister, I'd lost hope. The tale of the crucified crook Jesus says to you tonight, deep down when you're real, how hopeless we can feel. How our memories continue to accuse us. How we never think we'll get pure and we'll never break free of that one sin. That one stinking sin that always dogs us. Jesus says, if you die tonight, today, you'll be with me in paradise, disciple. And you need to hold on to that. You need to believe that. You need to say amen to that next slide Jesus said and this one tears me up my mom is almost 80 years old she is Hispanic her maiden name's Corona she's a short little lady and uh my mom I became a Christian I believe in part because my mom would come into my room I was the youngest of the family youngest of four boys she would so worried about my brothers. They were out doing things I did when I grew up. They were out smoking dope and stealing cars and all kinds of stuff. She'd come in my room and get down on her knees and pray for the whole family. And she'd wake me up. She'd say, Greg, would you would you just listen and pray with me? And she'd pray for the, everybody. And I would be freaked out. <laughs> you know, I just like, you know. That ain't gonna help Philip. That ain't gonna help Jody. That ain't gonna help Sam. That isn't definitely gonna help Dad. But I listened. And I went to church with her. And I was a thug and I was as bad as the rest of them and she probably knew it even. But she prayed. And so when I read this story, I know how Jesus felt. He loved his mama. And he can't be the son to his mom that he wants to be anymore. And so he's saying goodbye to her. But he doesn't want to leave her abandoned. He's feeling bad that he has to save you and me and leave his mom. But we're worth it. We're worth it. And so he tells his best friend, John, take care of my mama. And these were probably the hardest words he'd ever said in his life. Woman, behold your son. And son, behold your mother. Mom, I'm I'm no longer your son. I'm dying. I'm gone. But I'm not going to leave you alone. I love you. That's the kind of Savior I can fall in love with. That's the kind of Savior I can claim as Lord. Amen. Amen. And then Jesus said in the next slide, He said, you know, this is real. I know you think I'm Superman, I'm superhuman, and I'm God, and I am fully God, and I'm fully man. And the Incarnation proved that, and we'll see that from John chapter 1 tomorrow. But it still felt it all. It still hurt. He was still brutalized. And this tells me, I'm thirsty. And anybody that's asphyxiating, basically drowning in their own fluid. And I've watched many people die. And their body fills up with fluid. And they get what's called the witch's breath. This noise from their deep down in their throat, the fluid and the breath is called, the the, the nurses call it that. It's a terrible thing to call it. But it's eerie. And that's why they call it that. You get thirsty, you get you get dry and you can't breathe and you're dying. Jesus said I'm dying and I'm thirsty. And it's hurting and it's bad. And it's frightening and it's real. And I'm dying for you. That's what that says so much when he says I'm thirsty. And then the next line The spiritual pain. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthanai. And I'm not going to do it justice. Modern preaching technique is to make you experience it, but I'm not going to scream it out. I know the way that Jesus screamed it out. It was shocking to him. When the sin was placed upon him, when all our sin was placed upon him, and he was separated from God, and he was forsaken by God, it just shook him. He shuddered. He shook. He felt that disconnect from God that he'd never felt, never thought he'd feel. He'd always been pure and totally intimate God, totally at peace, totally secure, totally connected. And then when our sin came on him, he's got, he's like, Oh my God! My God, why have you forsaken me? Now is when I need you most! Now! I mean, it was shocking to him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I can't do this. I almost copped out in the garden. But you said I had to do it. And I love you and I trust you. But I never imagined it would be like this. This much. But he did it. And then the next verse. he says to god father i trust you spin your plan and i trust you into your hands i commit my spirit i'm going to hell now and and, hell, and and with all this weight all this sin on me i know where i'm going i'm lost i got that lost empty void black dark no no view of anything no hope feeling but I trust you I have faith in you I love you, you love me the spiritual battle was raging and he went and next slide he said it's finished I did it. I didn't come down from the cross. Every time they hurled that insult, every time they threw as hard as they could from demons' voices, from Satan's attacks, to do anything he could to get Jesus off that cross, to keep Jesus from sacrificing Himself. As Revelation says, Revelation paints the most incredible picture. All of heaven, all the spiritual hosts are in heaven. Everybody's gathered. And they're saying, "Who is worthy?" And they're wailing and they're screaming, no one is worthy to save the world. No one's worthy to open the scrolls. Nobody. And all the cosmos and all the spiritual forces of good are in angst. It's, we're at that point. What will happen? And then in comes this figure saying, I'm worthy. I'm worthy to open the scrolls. And it, there was this lion head. and That was amazing. That was inspiring. But then the head was on a, a lamb. A lamb that was lifting. A lamb that was bloody. A lamb that had been slain. A lamb that had died and yet was going to the throne to be a sacrifice for all souls. Jesus, when he said it's finished, it's it's when he got to that place of ultimate sacrifice for you and me. And what kind of finish was it? Next slide. Well, I left that one out. Death was finished, sin was finished, slavery was finished hopelessness was finished. Your guilt was finished. Right now, you're saved by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Because He finished for you. And it had its effect on Joseph and on, uh, you can read about it, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. And we'll talk about Nick and Joseph a little more tomorrow. But the cross takes away the fear gives you courage to be like Joseph. gives you conviction, which Nicodemus finally gained. And it gives you the ability to make this confession. And 1 John, John later in life, said that nobody can make this confession without the Spirit. The confession that Jesus is the Son of God and Jesus is Lord. When you read the crucifixion on Fridays, when you read about the death of Jesus... It should produce in you a desire to follow Jesus and to renew your confession confession as disciples that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is my Savior. He's the only Savior. And He's a true Savior. Amen. Let's pray. God and Father, as we look at your passion. May it change us. It does shock us. It does astound us. It does amaze us. But, Father, most of all, I know you've recorded it so that we would be changed. And, Father, on this Good Friday, many of us have lived through other Fridays, and we've ignored and we haven't paid attention, but maybe on this Friday. As we celebrate the death of Jesus thousands of years ago, we pray that that death would not be in vain. That we would not be hard-hearted. That we would not want to be sinful people and like everybody else, but that we would want to be like Jesus. The pure one. The holy one. The righteous one. The lamb. Thank you, God, for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Thank you that he died for our sin. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.